Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. show we're joined by David Ditchfield and David is the author of a fabulous book called Shine On. Hello David. Hello thanks for having me along. Bless you so I've just finished reading your book and I absolutely loved it so absolutely honoured to have you here but for those that haven't read the book yet please can you share your story of positive change? Sure okay um, I guess the best place to start is is briefly about where I was at in my life before I'd had my accident and my and the NDE that followed. Um, so I was living in London. I'd been living there for, for some for years. I'd, I'd left school without qualifications. So I was struggling to find any academic work. Well, I couldn't get any. Uh, so obviously living in London, it was very competitive. Uh, so I got by basically by doing manual labouring, um, which was fine. I met some brilliant people, but I wasn't that great at that job. So I, I constantly felt like I was like out of, out of sync with everybody and everything. And so my life became very much a struggle. And I was chasing after all the wrong type of goals and, and relationships. And so I, I ended up getting to a stage where I was drinking too heavily and uh, I was running out of money. So it was pretty much at that point that my sister, who lived with her family up in Cambridgeshire, said, come and stay with us for a few days. Uh, I think you need to chill out. Well, actually, for a few weeks, she said, you're in a bad place. You need to come and hang out with us. So I did. And while I was there, I would kept in touch with somebody that I'd met uh, only a few weeks pr- prior to this, uh, who I connected with. And I, I really liked her. We just got this real connection. Um, and um, so... Um, she's called Anna and she came up and uh, while we were hanging out together she got to get back to London for an appointment so I took her to the rail station and it was while I was at the, at the station that I saw her on to the carriage with her bags uh, I gave her a hug and a kiss goodbye and then I heard the um, emergency door buzzers start to go so she said you better get off I said yeah I'm going so I, I stepped back but as I did uh, the bottom section of my coat got trapped in the automatic closing doors and uh, I just couldn't pull it free it was just wedged in there for good you know um I, I tried everything you know shouting for a guard there was no guard around I was banging on the windows hoping somebody might run through but nothing happened so I heard the engine start to rev up and I knew it was about to pull out and um I figured at this point that this was it. I figured I'm going to die because I, I knew I wasn't going to release myself from this coat. And the train started pulling out the station um, at great speed, actually. You don't realise just how fast they do accelerate out of the station um, when you sat there um, getting ready for your journey. But they do. They go very fast. And um, I lost my footing. And before I knew it, um, I was pulled between the space of the platform edge and the train itself. And then I was just there I went and uh, it was a very violent experience and it seemed to go on forever and I was fully conscious throughout the whole ordeal and I didn't think I was going to survive still at that point but I was thrown down between the tracks 
as the train carried on relentlessly. It was a very long train. And uh, I just kept my face down into the ground, hoping that, you know, I would survive and nothing would hit me over the back of the head. And clearly I did survive. And I just thought, I can't believe what has just happened. I can't believe that I've been through that and I'm alive. Um, so, um, yeah, it was it was very frightening and a very terrifying experience. And the paramedics arrived very quick because there was a small hospital just around the corner from the station. So they jumped down on the track and started cutting through my clothes and uh, getting me onto a stretcher. And somehow, I don't know how they managed, but they managed to get me from the ground up onto the platform, which is about seven foot up, you know. Yeah. And we got in the, in the ambulance and, the, and the, I remember the driver, well, the, sorry, the driver, he was the doctor, turned around to me and said, look, there's a hospital around the corner, but there's a better hospital that I know is going to save you um, called Adambrooks Hospital. Uh, can you hang on? I said, yeah, let's go. So we did. So we, we just, the siren went on and we just took off like a rocket and zoomed down the A14, M11 or what it was, you know, and then we were there and uh, there was a whole team of medics waiting for me there in the A&E department. And uh, there was a lot of frantic voices going on, a lot of, you know, it was all pretty scary because I knew there was, they sounded scared and uh, I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. And I thought, am I going to die? Are they, you know, I was losing a lot of blood by this stage because uh, I had realized that my left arm had been severed in the accident. And so there was a lot of blood loss. And uh, my family arrived really quite quick. I, that was, that was, that seemed really odd. I remember thinking, how did they get here so soon? But they did, because um, Anna, who was on the train, obviously, bless her, had to watch the whole ordeal unfold. She ran to the window and watched me go under and immediately phoned my sister um, in, a, in a state of panic. And so my sister was like there with my parents. And yeah, yeah. So um, I was apologizing to my mom because it was always me causing all the dramas in life. And I said, mom, I'm so sorry. It's always me bringing all this mayhem to the family. And of course, she was in tears and she put her hand over my nose and said, stop it. It's not your fault, which it wasn't my fault, you know. So, um, so yeah, um, so there I was, lying in, in complete agony, fearing for my life, in all fairness, yeah. fearing a lot for it. And, uh, and I suddenly went from all the anxiety of the uh, emergency departments of Addenbrooke's Hospital to um, what seemed like a, a lovely darkened space, but not an oppressive um, uh, darker space, a very warm and inviting space. And all the agony and the pain that I was in had just gone, it just slipped from my body. And, um, and I just felt really great. <laughs> and I figured at that point that, that I died, I thought, this is it, I've, I've gone over to the next side and I haven't survived. But um, I didn't resist it, I was quite happy to stay where I was some people do I know because obviously I've done a lot more research into it and people having near-death experiences and and or out-of-body experiences and seeing the the other side or the light or what have you and they resist it they want to go back you know but it's not like I wanted to die but I was quite happy to be where I was and uh, I looked around and just to check out my surroundings and the first thing I saw were these 
these orbs of color that was uh, that were pulsating all around me and these colors were just very calming and making me feel very relaxed and uh, peaceful um, and i i looked and i was no longer laying on a, on a hospital trolley but i was on like this huge slate rock it was like a really like a big like a medieval altar it was very huge but it was very comfortable to lie on and I realized I was no longer clothed, but it didn't matter. I was comfortable. And I was covered in this blue sort of um, satin sheet or silk sort of, you know, texture to it. And that felt very comforting. And I remember checking out my body to look at my wounds and everything was fixed. You know, there wasn't even a single scratch. My left arm that had been severed was back in place. And, uh, um, you know, and as I say, there was no pain. So I just laid my head back and uh, relaxed. And as I did, I looked and there were like three grids of white light suddenly started closing in on me. And then as I looked into that light, I couldn't take my gaze away because there was this very powerful healing light that was coming towards me. And I felt like it was healing my body. And um, I, it was interesting because it was so intense, the light, that normally it's not the kind of light you would be able to look into, electric light or sunlight would be just too much. But in this, on this occasion, I could do it and I couldn't take my gaze out. And, and as I lay there, sort of embracing all this, all this loveliness that was there, I suddenly felt the presence of somebody with me. And so I, I lifted my head and there there was, there was... Um, a person stood just at my feet, almost greeting me, if you like. And I felt like I'd known this person for a long time. And there was an expression on that person's face that I knew. And I thought, who are you? I know you, don't I? And interestingly enough as well, this person, when I say a person because it was neither male nor female in form. It was an androgynous being with this very contemporary black T-shirt on, nothing too ethereal, and this kind of pure white blonde hair. But a skin that was radiating light from within and uh, this energy that was coming from this person was just very loving and very caring and so I am um, I figured I just kept saying who are you I know you don't I, I know who, and I just felt like it was it was well, basically it was like it was my my soulmate, you know, like, you know, if you meet somebody at a party for the first time and you connect and you think, yeah, I feel like I've known you for all, for, we've met before, haven't we? You know, it yeah. was like that, but but a lot more intense, you know. So, yeah. So I laid back my head again and, and relaxed and looked back up into the light. And then the next thing I figured there was, I could feel that there was more people surrounding me at this point. So I looked and there were, there were two female forms uh, either side of me um you know the one to my right was a, was a sort of like sort of white european i guess with, with dark brown hair and a, again a very contemporary brown simple dress and the one to my left was more um asian indian or american indian wearing more of a traditional dress and they both had their hands slowly hovering over my body um I was feeling the sensation of love that was coming from the hands and it was very powerful. And I felt really more than I, at first I thought, are they healing my wounds? I mean, because of what I've just been through or, or are they actually healing 
the wounds of my soul. And I figured it was more like that. I felt like they were healing, fixing all the, all the wrongs that, that happened in my life, uh, especially in the, in the past few years, you know. So, so yeah, it was a wonderful experience. It sounds um, amazing. I, we've had someone on before that spoke about like the near-death experience and she actually took an overdose and she's kind of more of the, like classical, if you will, near-death experience where she's sort of like had this tunnel and she was like not in this realm, she was in another. And she had this point where she had almost a choice, like um, shall I stay or shall I go sort of thing. Did you have a choice at this point? Well, um Basically, what I did see a tunnel of white light that did appear, and that came a bit later on. It was it was interesting because uh, it was at a point where I was thinking about my family because I knew they were down in the hospital, and I say down because I felt like I was up somewhere a lot higher yeah. in a much higher source. And so, um, um, I, I I remember looking over to the side thinking I might see them in the hospital, but I didn't. But what I did see, first of all, was like this huge waterfall of stars, if you like. It was like, it was massive. It was an amazing sight. And there was like millions of stars that were just sort of cascading over the edge and shooting stars just dropping through the middle. And I looked, and, I, and I, uh, the further I looked, I, I kept looking from one galaxy into another and into all these beautiful colours. And I knew then that I was actually in the universe itself as opposed to in a small darkened space that I first figured but it was at that point that i i felt a very strong energy and it was similar to this the energy that i've been feeling from the other beings of light of, of love but it was turned up like the dial had been turned up huge and uh and what it was there was a white tunnel of light and it was very uh, vast and it was just coming towards me and it was this tunnel of white light was also surrounded by all these dramatic flames that were slowly rotating around but as awesome as it was, it was not fearful. It was just beautiful. And um, I just figured straight away, because a lot of the information I was getting was all telepathy, that was this was the source of all creation that I was looking at. You know, this was God. This is where it all comes from. It's not um, what, we've, what we've always been taught to believe in human form, you know. You know, the guy up in with the beard up in the sky or whatever <laughs> our God is, you know. And... Um, so, yeah, so I did see the tunnel. Um, but when I was, when the decision to come back was made, I didn't, it, I didn't feel like it was my choice at all. Okay. I felt like it was a choice that had been made there and then. I figured that they'd, they'd, I'd seen enough and I'd, I'd gained enough knowledge. And, and in fact, when I did come back into my own form, uh, I continued to feel a, a very much a, a sense that I was still in that realm and I was still receiving information through um very much so right at the beginning for the first few weeks and months and i still get information through now so yeah um that i didn't make the decision to come back no. <laughs> okay so when we had uh, the lady called mary i think she was episode 13 she came on and she said that um she had this choice of whether to come back or not and she also was on the interview so she chose to come back but i was saying to her like when you were up there did you get to choose or insight into what would happen when you came back and she did she was quite graphic as i said in an earlier episode that she knew that if she didn't come back she was in the body bag she died of a drug overdose that's how she was remembered and all these things did you know why you were coming back i didn't do that was uh, it was a burning question was <laughs> uh, when i was lying in <laughs> hospital i was going i was just saying why have they, why have they sent me back 
what is my quest? I knew, I knew that you, you have this burning feeling inside that you've got something to do, that you've got, you've got a task. And, and first of all, I thought I figured it was, that I was going to be a carer, that I was going to be caring for people. And I, and I was, I, at first I was in my own room, uh, Adam Brooks, and because of the severity of my injuries. And, but, it, but even then I remember my, my mom turned around to me because I, I told my parents about my experience. It took me about a week to tell them. And, uh, but when I did, it was interesting. My mom turned around afterwards and she said, yes, we know. And I said, you know? I said, how do you know? This is like a mother's instinct. She said that it, when we, whenever we come in to see you, it's like you can hardly move but you're, you're glowing with all this energy and you're, and you're caring for everyone around you, all the nurses that are looking after you, you're caring for them and, and, uh, and giving out this care. So I figured that that was my, what it was at first, but it, that wasn't to be, uh, I wasn't to be, to be a carer. It was initially, I, I wanted to, to record straight away. I, I was scared that I was going to forget all this. And I, when I woke up in, in after the, I'd come through, I'd been, under anesthetic for about eight hours and I was I was lying in this room on my own you know I just got the machine bleeping next to me and stuff and it was me in the machine and part of me was processing the horror of what had just happened in that accident but but the, the bigger part of me was thinking about what had happened and I've got to tell the world about this and how they're going to know so I thought I'm going to do a painting I'd never done anything like this before but I thought I'm going to do a huge like renaissance Michelangelo style painting like the ones you see in the Vatican because it's got to be that big and powerful because it was that powerful so I did I started painting and I didn't just do one I just I kept going and I was becoming quite prolific in, in painting so I'd realized that I gained new abilities and that was to start uh, becoming an artist and painting you know all these canvases and it went from there to me also then being given messages that I was going to write music about my experience. And so I'd, um, I, I thought I'd played guitar, but very basic, you know, just playing like punk sort of pop bands before this, you know, nothing at all uh, musical. But I thought I'm going to, I started with this idea, this came through, that I was on an old synthesizer that I pulled out the cover one day. And this little chord sequence came through and it sounded beautiful. And I just developed it to the stage. I thought this should be played by an orchestra. And I was realizing everything that I was doing, the paintings and the music and all the ideas that were coming through, uh, weren't all mine. I was channeling them. They were coming through from the other side. But I, was, I got this sense of um, confidence as well that um, it would all come together, which it did. And my music was performed by an orchestra. Um, uh, I'd got to know a cellist while, while I was doing my painting. She used to come up and see what I was doing and we got to know each other. And I, we got chatting about this idea that I got and she said, oh, maybe our orchestra could perform it. And they did in the end. And uh, so I went from there to writing even more pieces because the first one, the concert itself sold out, which is amazing because um, the energy was helping with that as well. It's, it's like my guides who I talked of earlier, were staying with me and they were making everything come together. There was a lot of synchronicity followed from my near-death experience. And, I, and I've since learned that that's quite common as well with near-death experiences. Yeah, like even when you say the cellist was coming to visit you, it's like this sort of synchronicity. It's like this person turned up and this person turned up and it sounds beautiful like it's meant to be. Out of interest, what were your views on near-death experience before the accident? 
I didn't know they existed. I've never heard anything about them, you know. So when I had mine, when I woke up in the hospital, I, not arrogantly, but I just suddenly thought I, the only, I was the only person that this had actually happened to. And that's why I was so worried about making sure that I got this recorded for everyone to see. But um, when I did come out of hospital, I went online straight away to try and look into what had happened. And I came across, you know, near-death experiences and, and, uh, and, I um the first one that I came across was um was this uh, an, a young child had had a near death experience and she'd done like a, a a drawing with felt-tip pens if you like of, of her near death experience and it was amazing because I was recuperating at my sister's house um and they gave me my own room and stuff and I got this c computer set up and I called my sister in and I said come and look at this and she saw it and she just welled up with tears because it was a very basic a stick drawing you know that a child would do children's artwork is just so honest and it's and it's there it's, there's no thrills you know and it was this this child on a laid out on what was more like a, a stick table and she was a stick person with this blue square oh covering her body which was like the blue cloth that oh, i took wow. and then she got three figures with their stick arms out over her you know and uh, then right in the top right hand corner of this of this drawing was this it looked like a, a cornetto sort of flying through the sky like an ice cream <laughs> corn and that was obviously the tunnel of light you know so that was just amazing so i knew then that um you know that, that it was a, a lot more people had, had this happen to them yeah that's amazing because you say like we have four children it is like out of the mouth of babes they just tell it as it is yeah. And I think people almost listen to children more than adults, but for you to see it so clearly, like the blue sheet and the three figures is absolutely amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it was real affirmation that was, you know. I didn't need confirmation because I knew that everything that had happened had happened. There was no sense of doubt about it. So, so it's a lovely moment of affirmation. So, yeah. I absolutely love it. As I said, I've read your book and I think it's fabulous, like beyond the near-death experiences, because you're really honest about the struggles you had in life, relationships, friendships alcohol and things like that how is life after the accident i mean do you stay spiritual or was it just what you needed to do at the time how is life now yeah i've remained spiritual and it's yeah. it's basically stay it's, it's part of my everyday life and it has been it's never gone you know never it's never left me so it's because it was such a, a powerful turnabout of events that it's um you know i've kind of uh, you know, I've wanted to honour what what happened to me. You know, it was a very special thing to to experience that and to be and to, to be given another chance to come back and and basically sort my life out as well. Um, you know, it may you know that I learned that basically where um, where I was going wrong before and uh, and so uh, I just wasn't. I just wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't aware that I'd got guides. I wasn't aware that I got my own angels and, and now I know that they are there and they've been there throughout my whole life, but I just wasn't aware of it. So it's something that I think, I don't think we all have to have a dramatic accident like me or a near death experience to actually understand that we've got guides because we're loved, all of us, you know? And um, so, yeah, it's so like my life is a lot more spiritual yeah because i as you can hear now you know i, I you know I, i'm very much aware of my guides and i call upon them um, and i still feel their energy helping me creatively because i'm still now my, my life is all about uh, painting and, and creating and writing music and everything i do i'm still getting their help and 
I'll literally stand back if I when something comes through an idea and I think wow they've just done that not me I just sit back and go thank you so much you know <laughs> yeah love that I mean I like to think I'm really spiritual not through such a drastic <laughs> path as yours took but I'm aware that when we like embrace our true self and our life path and spirituality whatever we want to do with our life we often lose people along the way have you lost people along the way your friends that think you're like you know it's all hocus pocus or whatever or have they stayed true to you have you created no. the change yeah I've, I've been very lucky yeah and um, everyone's um you know stay very close to me and everyone's you know, heard me through and heard me out and um, has supported everything that's done, you know, right from the, the concert. I mean, that was very early on, you know, and, uh, you know, people supported me on that and all my music. And now the book, with the book coming out, um, you know, friends and family and, and people that have surprised me. I mean, I've, I've been getting like, um, you know, old, old school friends getting in touch who've, who've seen me online, seen me interviewed, and they bought the book. People I would never would have thought of would have, would have read this book, and they love it. You know, it's like, wow, you got it. That's fantastic. You know, so it's 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 brilliant. So um, so yeah, so there's an awful lot of support, I'm, and I'm very very lucky and gifted to have that. Yeah, <laughs> it is a beautiful book. I mean, you take a look at yourself, which I think you know it takes courage to do that. And you say like, you know, I was drinking too much. I was a bit of a mess, and he's kind of. I don't want to give the book away. I'd like people to buy it. But, you know, in there, there's like various relationships that you try that don't work out and things like that. And I think it's such a good read. Um, I absolutely love it. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Where do you go from here? How else can you help people? Because the book's out there. You've got the paintings and the music. What other tools has it brought you? Well, one, it's it's brought me out to be to talking to so many more people, which I never expected. Like like yourself, you know, um, I figured that I'd be doing, you know, maybe one or two interviews to promote the book. But there's been a lot, which has been fantastic, and and it's been spread right across the globe, if you like. So it's been speaking to all sorts of types of people from all different reaches of life, and so so there's this wonderful connection, and, and also people who do hear the interviews some of them get back to me and speak to me and 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 what have you and i was invited out to france last year to a retreat to um to talk um to uh, some there's a group of um of women who were on the retreat there was 12 of them and they were, they were all um worked in hospices and they're yeah, end of life doulas they're called and uh, like soul midwives so they're helping people with their journey on so so they asked me along to talk. So that was great. I mean, I was really humbled talking to them because their work is like tremendous, but they got a lot out of it as well because I'm, I'm hoping that they can take it into their work. So, you know, it's, it's um, basically one thing I would say about everything that I do now is not, I don't, I hardly plan it out. I don't, I don't say, right, this is the next goal. No, we've got to take it to the next level. We're going to take it to the next stage. Obviously there's a certain amount of that involved, but I kind of like what I've learned to do is just to, stick to the creative elements that I'm working on and then the synchronicity will come to me as we talked about like with the chairlift coming yeah. into my life and, and things like that and I, and I really believe that to be the case because I was never doing that before you know I was quite the opposite because I'd struggled so much um I was constantly trying everything I could to be a success you know so, but there was like they were beyond my means or they were actually that's wrong to say that they just weren't meant for me a lot of yeah. the things that I was trying and we, a, we, a lot of us do that we think right I'm going to try this avenue I'm going to try that door I'm going to add here's a brilliant advert I'm going for that you know and you never get them because they're not meant for you but um 
So yeah, but who knows? Who knows what comes along next? But um, at the moment, I'm just um, you know letting letting the journey just keep continuing onwards and opening up as it seems to be. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like the universe absolutely has your back, and I love that. But taking you back to before the accident just because of the type of listener we have, you know, when you were drinking too much, money was a struggle. What did you do then? What, how did you carry on each day? What kind of tools did you use? What was the mindset to get you through? Basically, my life, I'd say it was, it was very linear. So it, I didn't stop to go into myself. I didn't stop to meditate or, you know, or, or anything. There was just once that I prayed and that was when I was at a moment of complete desperation when I was just so broke and I got no work. And I remember opening the fridge door in my, in my flat and there was no food in there. There was just a bottle of beer just staring at me. And I remember I prayed, but interestingly enough, it was out of desperation and I didn't know who I was praying to. So I got no focus at all. And it was odd because when I look back now that, that I prayed, but I felt like it was all my fault and I felt guilty. So Part of me was putting out a hand to ask for help, but the other one was putting a, a hand up saying, I'm not worthy, I messed up, I'm a mess. So, um, you know, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think like, like a lot of us, you know, I just kind of like my, my ego, if you like, was, was ruling my life. And, and so there was no sense of, of the real me being in the moment at all. Yeah. I absolutely love your story. I say it's such a, drastic life-changing event you know because you I don't know I don't want to ruin the book but you were told by a medium didn't you you had great change to come yeah which yeah, we probably right. thought was lovely positive change <laughs> but you know it's yeah. positive in its own way but there's a big accent that followed life-changing yeah. event I love it do you still like you paint now you still paint mm -hmm, you're still, right, yeah. still writing so there could be an, right, another yeah. book and things like that do you practice mediumship or anything else I what I do is I, I go to I because I just I went back to to find that spiritualist church where I'd had that um that medium sort of message and because I was desperate to speak to them and tell them about it and talk and try and find her I wanted to track her down which I did yeah. eventually but when I was there they said to me look we do spiritual healing here and you, and you look you know I was in a pretty bad way then I was all covered <laughs> in like plastic holding me together you know and yeah. uh, and so I said yeah okay so I went along and. Uh, and had spiritual healing and I still go now so oh, wow. it's, it's something that I keep up not just um, to be healed um, you know because I need the healing sometimes I do but sometimes really just to sort of um, to touch base I find with uh, with with the universe and with with my guides and 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 just feel that loving energy coming through and, and spiritual healing is amazing I just I mean it's mad I mean there's hardly anybody there when I go there should be queues around the block for this because it's like <laughs> Really, I mean, it's just a donation. You can give what you want, and it's like it's fantastic. It's really wonderful, and it's not. I think people get scared of the idea of the word spiritual healing because they just think, you know, that uh, you know someone's going to be shaking the devil out of you, or something yeah. like that. Just not <laughs> chanting, <all>. exactly. <laughs> levitating, <laughs> levitating, and all that. But it's nothing like that. It's it's almost like I've never had Reiki healing, but uh, but I figure that it's very similar to that. So it's kind of just you know, it's just hands on, and but it's very calming and very peaceful. And they, the healers themselves, just they just they they're conducting uh, their channeling through the energy from above, and it comes through them through their hands, and and they're guided to go to whatever part of you needs healing, not necessarily physically, but sometimes emotionally. Like 
a lot of the time my solar plexus you know needs healing or what have you and so you get so yeah so i'm i'm very much uh, obviously i haven't been able to go um for the last few months because of the covid um yeah. outbreaks so I, so I miss going to that but yeah but one of my one of the healers turned up at my door actually on sunday i just i was a, a real surprise you know, it's lovely <laughs> just out, say, you know and uh, and and he'd he'd read the book and stuff so it was lovely so yeah what's been your greatest lesson through all of this because it's been such a journey and i'm sure people can have you know less dramatic life-changing events but what's the biggest lesson you've turned you know taken from this journey um is self-love really i i, I realized i didn't love myself at all because of all my of what i felt with my failings in life i was really beating myself up um whereas i as i talked of earlier there was so much unconditional love when i was in the near this experience itself that i carried that back with me and i've and i've I maintain it, you know, I, I work at it. I make sure that, I, you know, I have to work at it sometimes, you know, and I, it's not, I'm human and, and things can get to me sometimes very badly, but generally speaking, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I love myself a lot more. Once you start to realize that you can love yourself, then you, you find that you, you can achieve a lot more because um, you find self-worth and you find authenticity. And then, as I said, before again you know the thing the right things that are meant to come to you will will come yeah. and you know doors will slowly open that in front of you that you're not pushing and your life will go a lot more along the i basically to me i just feel that that we come into this world and and it's, it's almost like we've got a highway in front of us and we're all tempted from time to time if there's a you know, to go off that highway and say oh that looks like a good route that looks tempting <laughs> But that route's not the one for you. And then, so what I felt like with my experience was that they they literally took me off the, the route so I was desperately ch challenging and then put me back onto the track. And so I'm, forgive the pun, but <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, um, you know, I, so I may, you know, I, I maintain that I, I, I stay on that route now. Yeah. Do you think our life is like predestined? You think we're all meant to experience certain things or do you think it's free will comes in, we can zigzag along these paths? Well, that's it. I, I think it is predestined, but 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 we we have got that free will, and that's what I'm, I was talking about. That so we've got that free will to take those side roads off. But I just figure that you know, um, basically, you know, ultimately we will come back, hopefully, to the to the route that we're meant to travel. And once we do go, I mean, it, it's when you see if you see people who are, who are successful. Well, I hate using that word but you know we, we have to use it because we live in a in a society that's built like that and and we all aspire to success but if you do actually see like for example successful actors who have been interviewed and stuff like that you can see that they're they're comfortable in their own skin you know they're comfortable with their own journey you know because they're not they're not that their ego is not really as much as you think it is is not guiding their their pathway because they're in the moment and and they're, they're they're in the right path and, and so they're following it through so so it's it's working for them yeah i love that my friends she saw the word alignment and she said that when you're in alignment with your purpose that you have probably that your, what your mum saw when you knew what your purpose was you have that sort of the glow that your energy changes and you just attract the things you're meant for when yes. you're you know aligned yeah. which is wonderful going back i love the story of the retreat where he's working with the end of life doulas i think yeah. that's brilliant and i just want to thank you today for doing the you know the near-death experience because it wasn't your background at all was it you was like a manual worker 
and mm. now you're sort of like you talk about your guides and angels and i love it i think you could change the world david i really do oh, so, thank <laughs> so thank you because i think we should speak about it more often to me you know my yes. family have called me hocus pocus for years and you know to me i speak about near-death experience over you know mashed potato at dinner time <laughs> <laughs> well, why not but yeah. i absolutely love speaking to you how can people find you we've got a website shineonthestory.com yeah. that's it so shineonthestory.com is basically the main hub and you can go there and you can stream my music the, for free the the symphony that i just talked about which is called the divine light which is based on my nde so you can listen to that and you can see my paintings and links to or if you want to follow me on you know facebook or instagram and or uh, youtube yeah, there's links for that on there as well and there's links to the book which i'm just going to hold up if you don't mind so <laughs> So here's the here's the book. So that so that's shine on. So that's 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 the one that's out at the moment. So, you know that's available now on on Amazon. You know it was uh, it it's, it's it went straight to number one in the in its category of near death experiences, and on Amazon in UK and US, which was, I was really excited about. Whether it's still <laughs> at that, so I don't know. Probably not because there's millions of books coming out all the time. But it was you know, again, there's a lot of synchronicity in that. that that's yeah. um, it's getting out to the universe and. Um, yeah. it's fabulous yeah. and when i introduced you at the beginning i said like yeah, david ditchfield author of shine on and it's because you've got a very long title for your books if they're going on to amazon it's a very long title yeah. but i do want to ruin the whole positive change so mm. i've got shine on the remarkable story of how i fell under a speeding train journey to the afterlife and the astonishing proof i brought back with me yeah so, so when you go <laughs> buy it after the show it's a very long title but we didn't want to ruin the plot twist did we <laughs> <laughs> no exactly yeah but you'll find if you go onto amazon you just put my name in and shine on it will come up straight away to be honest with you so but, um, yeah david thank you so much for sharing i okay. really appreciate you because i know you know when you were sort of saying that how horrific it was with Anna on the train and not being able to fight it you know it's quite scary to revisit it so thank you so much for sharing today it's a pleasure thanks for having me along If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kickbook from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at ShellyFKnight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing.